story. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for coming. Thank you for the amazing complexity. Thank you that it was real. It was very human. It was not some transcendent thing that we couldn't get our minds around. And that you came and you announced to shepherds with the, the, uh, the angels of heaven. Thank you. Thank you for fulfilling the prophecies of old. And come quickly again. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, family. You disappeared. You did a fine job. Um, the ushers, if you would come, please. And uh, Kathy, come to the... Oh, you're up and ready. Good. We'll hear this beautiful song. It's a, a gorgeous... It's a little... Um, it's got a little melancholy to it because of the winter. You'll hear that in it. But as you hear this, it's an opportunity for you, if, again, if you'd like to be gracious in this way, uh, we promise that we will take good care of this and use it well. Thank you.
Thank you, Barry. Thanks, Kathy. Very lovely. Well, like many of you, the last two or three weeks, I've been in and out of stores, um, doing Christmas shopping, looking at sales, that kind of stuff, watching TV, listening to the radio, noticing all the ads about Christmas. And it uh, never, never fails to amaze me, surprise me, that we can sell love, something that we're always trying to buy and sell and transact. In fact, just a couple of days ago, I was in a mall in Denver, and I noticed I was paying close attention to the love, wherever they had the love imagery, and there was a love, the word love, and it had a young boy and a young girl. I, I think they were selling clothes. Apparently, if you wear the right clothes, love is the result. Uh, or if you buy the right kind of diamond, apparently love is the result. Uh, it's amazing that we could do that. You know, early in our marriage, when we had four children and didn't make a lot of money, money was tight. I learned really quickly that one of the ways to not communicate love is to spend money on flowers and things like that because we didn't have much money to make it. And here I was spending money. So we started a tradition which I follow through to this day. Whenever we go to the grocery store, sometimes I go with her, I run to the card aisle and I pick the card that I wanted to read and I go over and I have her read it. <laughs> and then I go and I put it back. <laughs> Do you know how many ways you can say I love you on a shopping trip? <laughs> So love is something that is talked about all around our country and probably around the world. Often it's associated with um, marketing and things of that nature. I'm not trying to be negative about that because I happen to enjoy that part of Christmas as well. Uh, honestly, I, I see all that, uh, the way marketers handle it, and it makes me realize, again, that it, it's an echo of something inside. It's a reflection of something deeper going on inside of us that all of us long for love. It's a lot like justice. We all long for it. We have arguably one of the best justice systems in the world, and yet we're very conscious that um, it's not perfect, right? It still fails us. So when we see all this about love, we, we have that yearning inside, that feeling. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Enjoy it. So when the marketers do their thing and, and, and there's a wistfulness about you, that's okay. Don't be bothered by it. Because that's the story of Christianity, quite honestly. The basic premise, one of the basic premises is God has made us in his image. And what do we know about God? He is love. And therefore, there's something built into us that longs for that very emotion, that feeling, longs for that. When you look at the story of the Bible and watch it unfold, one of the things that, there's many things in the Bible that are hard for us to understand. Am I right about that? Very complicated things. But one of the things that shines through steadily from beginning to end is God's love. Starts at the very beginning, creation. What a beautiful place we live in. Am I right? How many of you are here on vacation? Let me see. Well, great. Thanks for worshiping with us tonight. This is a place where people come to enjoy creation. What an amazing thing that we have a God who would build all of this creation that we see, and then he would build us right at the very end and 
say enjoy it. It's made for us. We're the climax of creation. We're the only thing in creation made in his image. It's a gift to us to take care of, to enjoy, to have fun with. That's a wonderful thing. And then as soon as he did that, he did something else very loving, demonstrated his love in very profound ways. He gave us a choice. Said we could choose to follow him or we could choose to do it our own way. Most of you know the story. We chose to do it our own way. But don't overlook the fact that that is a very gracious God who gave us that kind of choice. In fact, I'm not sure that there's any other way, a more honoring way to treat one another is to give us freedom. Paul says that in Galatians 5. It's for freedom that Christ has set you free. We were made for that. We were made for freedom. And so you see it there with the Lord right in the very beginning. And then when Adam and Eve, when they went the wrong way, they chose themselves to follow themselves instead of the Lord. What did he do? He made provision for them. He took care of them right away. And then the rest of the story of the Bible as it unfolds is the story of God showing his love in many, many ways. The Exodus. What did he say? I have heard your groanings. I have seen the way the Egyptians are treating you like slaves. So I have come down to rescue you. That's where we get the word save. It's the idea behind salvation is rescue. So he came down and rescued. The prophets, when they wouldn't listen, he sent prophet after prophet to remind them of his deep, passionate love for them. So the Bible, as it unfolds, is just the story of an incredible God who loves us and is pursuing us and not content to let us wander on our own. Tapping you on the shoulder. Some of you have heard, felt that experience. Whispering in your ear. Some of you have heard that. Taking a baseball bat when you need it. Some of you have experienced that, right? That's the story. But it doesn't flow just naturally. God is very intentional as he steps in to make these decisions, much like a parent does with a child. Knows the right time to step in and when not to. I think of a plant. You, you grow a flower, and so you plant it, and then you have the bud, and then it begins to blossom. That's what you see as the Bible unfolds, if I can use that metaphor. That's what happens. Interestingly enough, from a technical perspective, that's what happens with the language of the Bible as well. How many of you have heard the word agape? Let me just see. It's very common in Christian circles. It's almost all of you, right? That's the noun for love. That's the Greek word agape. And uh, it's very popular to kind of throw that around in our churches and use it. Um, there's a lot of misinformation about that word. The bottom line, as best we can tell, is that outside of Christianity, that word is relatively unused. It's not used very much at all in the first century or the centuries leading up to the New Testament. It's just not used. It's not that the authors found this word and said, hey, let's describe it. It's the opposite. They were wrestling with who God is, and they found a word that helped them to capture this love. But you know why it wasn't used very much? Love was not very much, it wasn't a part of the first century Roman world. Sure, the philosophers talked about it, we have that language, but the Roman world was based on a shame and honor culture. Shame and honor culture was very, very simple. If you uh, obeyed the rules of the land, the culture, then you were honored and I would do business with you. If you shamed yourself and you did something that did not fit within the culture, guess what? I'd back away. 
because you have proven yourself to be dishonorable. So I'm not going to do business with you. All right, now in that context, think about Mary and Joseph. What does the Holy Spirit say to Mary? You're going to get pregnant. But she said, "Uh, I'm not married yet. And the Holy Spirit said, the Lord said, that's right. The Holy Spirit is going to make this happen. There's no way to state, overstate, I think, how shameful that was in that time period. And the law is worthy of death. And so she was committed to, in a culture that valued honor above all things, to a life of shame. Her husband, who's a righteous man, is going to privately divorce her, a demonstration of his integrity and his desire to love her, to take care of her. He's going to privately divorce her as so as not to shame her anymore or embarrass her. I mean, you can imagine it from his perspective. Yeah, right. The Holy Spirit? Really? And yet that's what happened. And the Lord waited until he had made the decision to act with integrity before God sent the angel to him and said, no, 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 this really is from the Lord. Now, Joseph is faced with a big decision in that culture because if he marries her, a pregnant woman, he has committed a shameful act as well. And he has to live with that dishonor from then on. Very costly. Very costly. I'm sure it impacted his financial dealings, his business, because everybody else would back away. We're not going to associate with you. We have evidence that that's the case all through the Gospels. The Pharisees, for instance, said to Jesus, at least we know who our father is. You have that language. They supposed that Joseph was the father. You have that language. So no secrets in a small town. They all knew the truth. That's the context of the first century world. Love is not part of it. It's not part of it. And so they found this word agape and they used it. It's all over the New Testament. And they were trying to capture this core idea that we have a God who loves us. And what does that mean? He puts us first. That's what it means. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that he was willing to shame two people and they were willing to accept it. What did Mary say at the end of the prophecy? May it be according to your word, Lord. That is faithfulness. That's faithfulness. So they found this word and it became part of our heritage, our DNA, love. God loves us. So all the way through from the garden through Mary and Joseph, we see God showing his love. Then when you get to Luke 2, which you heard read just a minute ago, you see one of the most fantastic displays of that love. The shepherds, of all the people to go to, the shepherds? What about the Pharisees? What about the Sanhedrin? What about the Jewish leadership? What about Herod? What about the king, the emperor? What about the Roman Senate? What about the rich, the elite? What about all those people? No. He picked shepherds. Quietly, sitting on a hillside in the night, in the dark, probably untrained, probably uneducated, probably weren't even aware of most of the stuff that's going on around the world. They're just doing their job. And out of nowhere, the heavenly host appeared. And they were terrified. I bet they were. 
Can you imagine being standing on a quiet hillside in the middle of the night and the whole sky lights up? I bet that was terrifying. We have picked this symbol right here. We put it in every room so you could see the lights. And in just a little bit, the lights are going to begin to dim. And you'll see this symbol. When the heavenly host appeared and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, they were terrified. And the Lord said, the angel said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And they began to praise God because they had seen the Lord. And he chose the most unlikely people to announce it to, Jewish shepherds. Isn't that an amazing story? You can't make this up, can you? You can't. This is the story of Christmas. It's either real or it's garbage. It's real. And in that one night, at that one second in time, God displayed his love in a way that startled the world. He sent his son to be born as a baby. And that's what we're celebrating tonight and tomorrow. True love. That's really what it is. True love. In just a moment, when we, uh, we're going to have communion. And then we're going to do the candle lighting. <clears throat> when we get to the candle lighting, I want you to put this image in your mind. Okay? We're going to come back and talk about it briefly. How many of you have looked across the lake in the middle of the night and you've seen the, the lights on the far shore reflected in the lake? You know what I'm talking about? Now, many of you that live here have seen it, right? Okay, so we put this as a canopy overhead to remind us of God's love, and our candles are going to look like the reflection off the lake. And we'll come back and talk about why that's important. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your love for us. Thank you for loving us so deeply, so passionately, so sacrificially, from the beginning of the story for all of eternity. Thanks for moving on our behalf to love us, to redeem us, to lure us back to you, to care for us so deeply. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm going to ask those that are preparing, serving communion, to come up, come up and prepare, prepare us for communion in all three rooms. You, uh, many of you know the stories, and by the way, for those of you that are visitors to VCC, um, if you want to share in our confession about Jesus, then we invite you to join us in communion when it comes your way. After uh, it was in the Passover, he's at dinner with the uh, 12, uh, or the 11, one had left. And um, so he's at dinner, and the Passover was well known to him and, uh, and to them. It goes back and has such a, a deep heritage in the law. He took the bread, and he did what? Say it again. Broke. He broke it. He broke the bread as a symbol of what was about to happen to him that very next day he broke it and he said this is my body which is given for you and 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 you you and you for each of us it's to show us how deep his love is that's what the bread reminds us of so we're going to pass it. I'm going to pray. We're going to pass it and then hold it because it's a wonderful thing to, as a community of faith, to celebrate this together. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Thank you for dying on our behalf. In your name we pray. Amen.
Paul says that every time we share communion together, we are proclaiming his death. We are celebrating that sacrificial love. The true model of what love really is all about. Um, what it means to move into the lives of each other and to be loving. So let's do that together. Let's proclaim his death. After supper, he took the cup. So go ahead and took the cup. <coughs> the cup was uh, the cup was very important in Jewish theology, Jewish history. It represented blessing. Wine represented blessing from the Lord. That's what it did. And it came to be known throughout time, honestly, as um, representing the coming Messiah. So when Jesus said, this cup represents the new covenant in my blood, it's a wonderful thing. It's wonderful because he's, he's showing us that his, his sacrificial love accomplished something significant. I know there are some of you out there that are wrestling with what do you believe about Jesus, this Jesus guy, who is he? Um, and this is to help you see that he shed his blood for a reason, as an act of love. But not in just to shed his blood, it's far more significant than that. He instituted the new covenant. You know what that means? An entirely new relationship with God. God fixed what was wrong what was corrected by, what was broken by Adam and Eve. And that's what this symbolizes here. Again, we will wait till the end and all partake together. Let me pray. Father, thank you for this cup. Jesus, thank you for the sacrifice of your blood, shedding of your blood for us so that we might find forgiveness. Lord, in a world where no God ever forgave, what an amazing thing that you would choose to forgive. Thank you.
waiting to make sure everyone has one before we say a word. Let's, uh, let's celebrate the most incredible act of love the world has ever seen. So the next thing we do is pass the light. We pass the, the, those two reminders, the reminders of the body and blood, which were very tangible, they're very physical. This is a little more ethereal, the idea of light. But John picked up on the idea of light, said Jesus was the light of the world. Uh, the, uh, when you think back through history, most people did not have the benefit and the advantage of the incandescent light bulb. <laughs> and they would go through the night and wait through the darkness. And all they had was the glow of these candles or their little lamps. And they would look forward to the morning. In the morning, the arrival of the light was a great blessing. So we're going to pass out the candles now and uh, let you begin to be a part of the process. It's just a reminder of the light that arrives.
If you've got your candles, let's go ahead and stand up. Might be a little difficult if you're holding children. We understand that. The lights are going to go out so that we just have the canopies and the candles. Hold it till the end, and then when we are all lit, then we'll sing Silent Night together. Remember, if yours is lit, it stays upright. We'll turn the lights all the way down. Now, while you've got them, hold them up high and sing. Holy infant, so 
them up just for a second. Look at that, Mark. Isn't that beautiful? When you look at a, a lake and you see the mirror image, you see the reflection of the lights on the other side in the water. To complete the metaphor, we have the heavenly canopy. This is the glory of the Lord, and you are the reflection of that. That's why we did this. We want you to see you are the reflection. You reflect God's glory in other words, you reflect his love when you love others. That's the message of Christmas. Jesus came to die for us and to show us his love so that we could reflect it to others. When you leave, remember to blow it out, but don't blow it on the person in front of you or next to you, and there will be a place to put your candles when you're finished. In the meantime, I wish all of you a very Merry Christmas and that you would experience the peace of Christ with your families and your friends people that you know, and that you would reflect that peace to others. So go in the peace of Christ. Have a good evening. Mm -hmm.